Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Welcome to a special edition of Stargazing. Uh, this is Mark Zimmerman. I'm uh, here with Stephen Meserve. And oh, who knows how much time here talking about the Texas Stars. So if you're a Dallas Stars fan and want to know what's on the horizon, this is the place to be. How you doing, Stephen? Doing pretty well. It's been a wild and woolly start to the season here down in Cedar Park. But uh, I know we'll talk about it tonight. There's a lot of excitement about all the blue chip prospects who are here. Some big names that Dallas Stars fans definitely have circled on the board for future seasons. And they're doing some stuff down here. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, well, let's kind of jump right into it, because I, I think last year we had some real good stories to tell. We had a, we had a for AHL team, a very veteran team. Uh, this team, maybe not so much. Uh, the veterans that are around have moved on to uh, other places and are doing fairly well. But now what we have is a team that has some really high-end prospects and then some uh, some players that are learning as they go. So uh, why, don't, why don't we start off with the, with the real simple stuff here? Let's, let's talk about some of these high-end prospects that we have down in Cedar Park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't start this conversation without going straight away to, to Logan Stankoven. It's, you know, last year... Obviously, you know, he was really close, right? He was very close, but decided to send him to juniors for one more year of seasoning this year. I mean, my goodness, it's been uh, it's been an offensive showcase, to be sure. They put him on the line, uh, as you can read, just as well as anybody with Maverick Bork, another highly touted prospect. And of course, Matei Blumel, who was a, a free agent pickup for the Dallas Stars. And, you know, that line has been pretty dynamic. Um, to be honest, but again, um, like we said, they're they're young guys. Still need some seasoning, you know. Not every night is going to be star-studded. Uh, for example, the other night, uh, Bork and Stankoven, I believe, were a minus four and a minus five respectively in the Manitoba Moose game. But at the same time, they have eight and nine points in seven games respectively as well. So you know, take the good with the bad, and that's part of what you have when you have a team that's so heavily loaded with prospects like this. You are going to have nights where somebody scores a hat trick and you're going to have nights where somebody takes a dash three. That's just kind of the up and down of the thing. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting this year in that they have uh, Ankoven and Bork together with Blumel uh, and, and then have a veteran line that's right behind them with Oscar Bach and the captain um, yep. and who Freddie, Freddie Carlstrom, Freddie so, Carlstrom. So they, yeah. they made a little bit of a switch. It's, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned that and in the Manitoba game, they actually made a switch and I, I'm interested to see if it sticks when they come back to playing this weekend, uh, against Iowa, because they swapped Curtis McKenzie and Matei Blumel on those two lines. So 
that represents uh, Curtis McKenzie on the left wing, Maverick Bork in the middle, Stan Coven on the right, and then a, a Euro line, as Oscar Beck uh, coined it, with uh, Beck centering uh, Freddie Karlstrom and Matei Blumel. And something that Scott White was telling me uh, in the second intermission of the Manitoba game is, you know, it's nice to make that switch because McKenzie opens up space for Stankoven and Bork to do their thing, right? He, he's more of a physical presence. He goes hard to the net and gives them more space to do the offensive things that they need um, to do it. And, and you could think about, you know, I don't know who that player is in a future Dallas Stars lineup, but you could think about you know, it'd be really great to have Stankoven and Bork develop a chemistry down here in Cedar Park and then eventually take that to Dallas and be paired with, you know, a third guy who opens up space for them, but also has some some finish at the net, you know, can tip pucks, things like that, um, and make space for them to do the offensive things that they need to do in order to be successful. And so I, I'm interested to see if that continues uh, when they go back against Iowa. They, they head back on the road here for, for a set of three. Yeah, I, I was, and, and in looking at the lines, I think I was always concerned that that second line, as, as much as I like all three players, didn't have a real offensive focus to it. There wasn't somebody who was a puck mover there. There wasn't necessarily a finisher there. They're all good players, but they don't necessarily create on the offensive end. And I think if you if yeah. you swap McKenzie and, and Blue Mill, you end up with Blue Mill having some real hard workers with him that need to draw some attention and that might open him up for his shot. And, you know, it, Oscar Beck has had some, some ups and downs. It feels like there were parts of last season where he was just snake bit, even though that was a really good team with a lot of offensive power. It, it seemed like he could just couldn't buy a goal. Um, and then the other night he had his first three point game of his professional career. Uh, he had a, he had a goal and two assists again in that Manitoba game on Saturday night. Uh, partly after that switch. So again, interesting to see if that continues through and that is a, uh, a change that bears fruit uh, for both lines, right? You always like when you make a switch like that. Um, it, it's like the new location trades, right? Where you, you just like change cities, but we can change lines here and see if they can generate a little bit more. Again, not that Bork and Senko and were slouches uh, on the, that line to begin with. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about the guys with the two most points on the team at this point and if I remember right, uh, Blue Mel was either third or fourth. Um, I think he was probably fourth just because McKenzie's picked up a decent number of assists so far this season. Yeah, he's tied for third at this point with seven. Um, but he's got a great, he's got a really healthy plus minus as well, which is nice. So a little bit of defensive responsibility for him. Um, and McKenzie yeah. does have a number of assists. He's just, you know, he's got he's got good vision and knows kind of where, where guys are going to be. Um, and so, yeah, he's picked up a decent number of assists so far this year. Now we we've kind of gone over the top six here. What uh, what what do you have to say for the bottom six? This is, this is kind of a group where we have some uh, some players who've been around for a little while and and they're mixed in with some fresh faces. Uh, how how is that looking so far? It's interesting because you know I I think Chase Wheatcroft. So Chase Wheatcroft, of course, was injured to start the season, um, and he just played his his first two games over this weekend against Manitoba, and you could see. You know, he's got he's got a great shot. He's got, you know, some offensive skill. He's not done too much yet because it's only two games and everybody is a little bit ahead of him, about a half dozen games ahead of him. Um, but you put him on a line with a guy who's been through this league in Damiani uh, down the middle. And then, you know, Kyle McDonald on the right side, uh, chatting with some of the folks in the press box and scouts and such. He's got more of a raw look to him. He's going to need a little bit longer 
to develop, but he's starting to starting to put it together. One of the scouts was jokingly that he, he spent a decent amount of time on his on his rear, um, just kind of like getting knocked around, pushed around a little bit uh, in that particular game. But the kid, you know, again, it's his first handful of games in in the professional ranks. I think there's something there um, for him to grow on. Um, I'm really interested to see what Recroft does though, um, with kind of the beginning looks of it. And again, this is his first two games. As far as Dallas Stars fans are concerned, unfortunately at this point, down the middle there with Damiani, I think the things have sort of passed him by. Um, he was, had a strong 2021 season uh, that COVID year. He won the Rookie of the Year in the AHL. A lot of that was based on his pairing with Adam Maskerin, um, who left the, the organization and went overseas. And I just, he, he, didn't, he didn't catch that wave. You know, he missed the wave and didn't didn't turn that into an NHL uh, future, unfortunately. So that's that's the third line as of the other night. One guy who you won't hear about is Scott Reedy, who uh, picked up a he he struck in the arm with a puck uh, in that first opening weekend and has not played since. The team is calling him day to day, but it might be more week to week at this particular moment, given that he hasn't played in a couple weeks. Um, so that's one name that you you won't hear. Excuse me. Um, and then the last, the last line, the the the, the final line, uh, not a line you'd expect to be a fourth line here. Antonio Stranges, Matthew Semenov, and Nick Camano. Stranges is doing his thing. Uh, you know, it, uh, David Castillo was mentioning in, in his uh, Substack that Stranges is all north, no south. Um, and yeah, he's he just he guy moves the puck forward um, for sure. Semenov, I haven't seen enough to, to say one way or the other yet. And Nick Camano is just a steady AHL forward. Um, again, who, who probably doesn't have an NHL future necessarily, but can be counted on to contribute in the bottom six in the AHL. I'm interested to see where Stranges is able to poke through to the top six. And if he is, he started the year on a line with McKenzie, right? And, uh, and his dad sort of moved around as they try to find more chemistry in, uh, throughout the lines, so not quite lines in the blender, but you're still trying out a lot of stuff out in this first eight game segment, as Neil Graham uh, likes to segment up the the season. Right, and and I think probably the goal at this point needs to be we have a solid six. Let's get that to a solid nine at least. Exactly, and and remember, you know, in the AHL, uh, as injuries happen in Dallas and different people might show better, and in, in the fourth line, you're going to have a rotation that might happen on that on that bottom line you know Keaton Mastrodonato is a name that Dallas fans won't know but he just had a four-point game in one of his first pro games down in the ECHL maybe you call him up and see what he can do in the AHL for a little bit and send someone else down Francesco Arcuri just went down to the to Idaho as well uh, on assignment a Dallas Stars prospect so you know there could be some rotation and, and Dallas has been pretty good about rotating guys in and out of Idaho you know Antonio Strange has played more than a handful of games in Idaho last year to get himself you know just back into the rhythm of things so you know don't be alarmed if you see names go down like Eric Curry for example um, or any of these defensemen who might be on Dallas contracts go down at any point just because you know if you're not playing if you're the seventh guy it makes sense to go play because there's no uh, concept of waivers between the AHL and the ECHL or anything like that. These guys can go back and forth at will. Right. And you kind of expect the guys that go down, if they're offensive guys, to put up some decent numbers. And, yeah, and I know I, I go back you know, a couple of years ago, we had uh, Ty Felliber, who came in kind of in the same situation as Chase Weekrock, a big overage scorer coming out of Canada. He went down, he went down to Idaho and put up big numbers and, and 
ultimately wasn't able to translate that into the AHL, at least with Dallas. But that's the type of thing. If you send somebody down to the ECHL and they're talented and they get that ice time, they'll probably put up some good numbers down. Yeah, it's really nice to see, for example, what Strong just did there last year, right? He got sent down for 12 games and he had 12 points in 12 games, including, I think, a couple uh, multi-point games among them. But then he came back to the Texas Stars and, and uh, you know, Coach Graham was saying that uh, Tony always puts in the work in, in practice and, and does the things and he earned his spot in the lineup late in the season. And, and he ended up with 12 points in the AHL as well in 19 games. So he earned his spot in the lineup and put in the work. And I think that um, I always have kind of like a soft spot for players who put in the work and make their way through the lineup and aren't just, you know, given, given the chance. And he certainly doesn't have like any sort of, you know, high star mark next to his, to his draft position or anything like that. So he's earning everything he gets if he, if he wants the next thing in, in front of him. Yeah. And I mean, his, his thing is that he seems to be able to score at every, at every level that he's gotten to. And even for somebody who was you know, a, a marginal AHL player for the last couple of years, when he had the opportunity, he would score and, and he would create chances. And, and you throw that in with a little showmanship and that, that, that's a fun player. And, and so I think a lot of people get behind him for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly fun to watch. And, and, and he's just, uh, he enjoys I mean, he enjoys playing the game of hockey, right? And and it yep. shows, and he's fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people are behind him because of that. Um, and I, I really would like to see if he could become part of that kind of solidified top nine, top six uh, at, throughout, as the year goes on. I think that'll be a really... A really solid spot for him. You know, you look at this lineup right now. It, they have a they have a clear first line, and then they might have three third lines. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. the way the way this is lined up, which is, you know, last year Texas had probably one first line, two second lines, and a third line, which is obviously how you win championships. This is not that probably yeah. this year. <laughs> I think it's going to be a great. I think I think it's going to be a great thing if they can you know make it into that play-in round three. You know. Uh, the four or five slot in the division or, you know, maybe in third and they, they avoid the play in round because I think it's going to be a, a pretty uneven year to say the least. Yeah. Especially if we start uh, seeing some players going up to, to Dallas, uh, that could, that could gut a, a few areas. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, talk to me about some of the players that uh, we might see in Dallas uh, if, if we do have any kind of injury issues. Honestly, Mark, I'm I'm kind of between a couple of things, right? Because I I believe this, you know, that it's good for Bork and Stankoven to get the call. They're they're earning it, right? And I think if you look, something that doesn't show up maybe on the score sheet uh, unless you inspect for it, uh, Maverick Bork has been wearing an A for the Texas Stars for the past several games since Gavin Bayreuther went down with injury. And I think that says a lot about where the organization sees his development and they see where he is. I, you know, we don't know yet because we haven't had any forward injuries in the organization, but I think he's your first call because I think he can do, he can do things on the bottom six potentially, you know, and he'll be will, he's willing to, to go and do, do those things, which is probably where the, the injury will, will slide in. Um, I think he's your first guy. Uh, based on his development curve, you know, could they go to a Carlstrom or a Beck for like a safer option, potentially? But I just think with the development curve and the just kind of giving that reward for the work that he's done and the the numbers that he's putting up and such, that's my bet for first call. 
Yeah, and to tell you the truth, I think Dallas probably doesn't have that you know, traditional fourth checking line, if you will. There, There's some talent there, and so if you put somebody like Bork on that line, it's not like you're just demoting him to something where he's going to have to just chase after the puck and uh, and go hit people. Right, and he brings more, obviously, than... It, it, it's interesting to be in this position because if you've been following the team, like this is Texas's 15th year in in the league, and, and I've talked with folks about this feels like the first year that the team has had some truly blue-chip prospects that they can that fans can get excited about and that they know... They get their their autograph. They're gonna, you know, it's gonna be worth something someday because they're gonna be NHL players. And we're very used to having a crop of players who have to go in and be really responsible on the penalty kill and be very strong defensive players because they're not looked to be top six options right away in the NHL. Whereas if you were to pull up Logan Stankoven tomorrow, you know. Given where Dallas is in their window, maybe not tomorrow, but like on a lot of teams, if you had Logan Stankoven in the minors and he was lighting it up, you'd put him in your top six if you were going to do a call up. Um, and this, that's a really exciting place for the organization to be in. But it's also kind of weird for me because grading these players and knowing who they're going to call up is really different than the organizational history that we have. It's a good thing to be sure, because you much rather have blue chip players than a bunch of guys that, you know, through no fault of, of anything. It's just in the past, they've had guys who are just kind of their ceiling is the middle six, maybe. And that's been the organization. They've done really well with it, but it just, they haven't had a lot of those blue chip guys, uh, at least while they've been here in the Cedar Park. Right. And, and I suppose from the Dallas point of view, you have this recent example of Thomas Harley putting in his time and really broadening his game and and now turning into what what is arguably the second best defender up on the Dallas Stars squad after spending most of last year with Texas. Right. And and you know you you have him and I would I would say probably like, you know, Dallas Stars fan might might counter my argument and say, well what about Jason Robertson? You know, Jason Robertson just scored hundred plus points first Dallas star to ever do that. And would you know, isn't he a blue chip prospect? Like, well, I mean, he was a high draft pick, right? But he didn't light up the AHL like he's lit up the NHL. He wasn't Jason Robertson that, you know, Dallas star, Jason Robertson, when he was Texas star, Jason Robertson. And it's hopeful that Texas star, Logan Stankoven and Texas star Maverick Bork will become Dallas star Maverick Bork and Dallas star Logan Stankoven. And they are the same player. They are scoring points in bunches. They are electric on offense. And that's a really exciting spot to be for the team overall and for its fans. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at, at the two and it's easy to kind of glump them together because they're playing together and they both come in with, with, with the high pedigree. But you take a look at, at Maverick Bork's learning curve over the last year plus and the player that he was last year coming into Texas and what what he was as a player toward the end of last year, and now what he looks like as a player now is just leaps and bounds better. And I'm I'm not sure that you're going to see the same thing with Stankoven. I think Stankoven is is starting at a pretty high level, and and because of the way his game is, he's going to just maintain that level and continue to produce. And I, here I guess what I'm saying is that Bork Bork had to 
there, there's enough subtlety to Bork's game that he had to learn how to fit it in at the next level. Yeah, I'd argue that's true. And, and you know, it's easy to lump the two of them together for more reasons than that. They're also roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're living together. And, and I talked to Logan at the beginning of the season during training camp about sort of how that was helping, how learning from Maverick was, was going to be part of his learning curve. And he, he was aware of the sort of shift that Maverick had in his game from before Christmas to after Christmas. And he specifically called out in our interview that he wanted to not, not have to do that, right? He wanted to hit the ground, the same spot that Maverick had been after Christmas, right from the gate. And so he was doing everything he could to absorb and soak up what Maverick was telling him about the league and how it's different than, than the junior system and all those pieces. Um, and I, I think that was a really interesting learning. And I'm glad that, you know, they have the opportunity to share that. We as fans, you know, the, we see what is happening on the ice. And there's this whole world that happens. The other, you know, almost, you know, probably what, 160 hours of the of the week that these these players are not just on the ice playing hockey games. And part of that is, you know, they're probably play an Xbox and chatting about whatever the heck was going on in that one game or something. And, and that's part of how this whole thing comes together. Um, so it's not just the things that we can see with our own eyes. It's the small private moments while they're having dinner and, you know, talking about whatever's going on uh, with a penalty kill or something like that. That's the really cool part about, about the minors and, and being able to pair those guys together. Well, let's, let's take a quick break here. Uh, allow us to get a sponsor's message in, and uh, then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the defensive end. Okay, let's, uh, let's go a little bit uh, to the other side of the puck. Um, again, we have a high-end prospect, Leon, Leon uh Bixel, I think, is how I've finally come to pronounce it. Uh, is, is there a preference on pronunciation there? Uh, ask the man himself, and Bixel is what we've got. So, okay, okay. Well, we mispronounced it for about the first two thirds of uh, of us knowing about him, but uh, I'm happy with Bixel. It seems um, like hopefully he'll be around for a lot longer than that, um, based on his early play. So, I think we have a lot of time to write that wrong. <laughs> Probably so. Have we learned anything along the way about uh, exiting the penalty box? Uh, yeah, we, we've definitely <laughs> learned a little bit of something about that. Uh, for folks who don't know, uh, Bixel, uh, you know, first of all, well, sorry, he's a big guy, right? Uh, six foot five. He draws a lot of ire from other guys because um, there's some concern coming over. He's a European guy. He's Swiss. And is he going to be willing to throw his weight around? Uh, or is he just going to be, you know, a big man who doesn't who doesn't use his body? Concerns, unfounded. Unfounded. Uh, he he, unfounded and he relishes it. I think is he what lo- I've noticed. He, he loves it. So what? Uh, for those who don't know, what happened is he he entered the zone on uh, just an offensive zone entry. It was offsides, and one of the players uh, for the Chicago Wolves just kind of blindside hit him, and he, you know he fell down, sure, but the guy almost bounced off him as much as anything, and they got into it a little bit. They got, both went to the box for roughing, and Bixel comes out to yell at the guy after he's already been placed in the box. And unfortunately, that is an automatic three-game suspension in the AHL. It's written into the rule book. Three games if you come out of the box. That's just the way it is. So he's learned that rule, to be sure. But uh, I think the league generally has learned that he is not afraid to use his body, use his size, but also, you know, he, he doesn't skate like he's that size <laughs> he's got yeah. 
great shot. He he moves really well. He he's willing to get into the guy's skin. There was a there was a particular moment that uh, one one of the team hockey ops people was was talking to me this weekend where uh, Bixel skated in on the goalie for Manitoba and kind of iced him a little bit and then and then got knocked over by two defenders and he was telling me he's like I I think he like he knew that was coming but he wanted to do it like just to piss him off like that's like he's he's got that edge. And yeah, he he, he likes he likes that. I, I watch it and I, I kind of like that, too. I, I I'm almost at the point where it's like, oh, maybe maybe just dial it back and, and play some hockey a little. But, uh, touch, but it's but fun. <laughs> it's fun. And, 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 you know, I think that a little bit of sandpaper with skill is is great. Right. Yep. Um, you don't want a guy who's just, you know, uh, a meathead and, and just guys around uh especially in you know today's nhl it's not going to work and and on the back end the type of game that dallas plays with the fast transition and and you know defense feeding offense having a guy like Bixel who could do something who could do something like that you know potentially in the future would be great if he but he's also got some some sandpaper to his game because you know as much as as we love miro haskinen he doesn't have a lot of sandpaper to his game he's a finesse guy right to be sure and and i think that that's something that they could have eventually where liam bixel is is making up uh, a a defensive core that also includes thomas harley and miro i mean that's that's enviable to be sure um if he turns out to be what we think he'll be he's being paired down here with alex petrovic who has just done a really excuse me done a really good job of shepherding players through the first couple years of their career uh, Ryan Shea, player who you know kind of got blocked out by the contract situation of the Texas Stars and the Dallas Stars organization, uh, went to the Pittsburgh Penguins and and made their opening night roster. He set the team record for the highest plus minus in team history for a single season. So you know, and Petrovic was a huge part of his development. They actually learned off of each other, learning offense and defense. From you know, Shea is more of an offensive defenseman. Petrovic's more of a defensive defenseman. Um, so. Having that pairing and, and having him paired with with a guy who's got such a track record over 600 professional games between the NHL and the AHL, I think it's a great decision. And and I mean that's why you sign guys like Petrovic. He was one of the first deals that they signed. You know that they announced that he was returning and means nothing to Dallas Stars fans, but everything to future Dallas Stars fans. Right. Exactly. Now now let's talk a little bit about the other pairings because we we've kind of dropped into this. Uh, prospect with uh, with somewhat of a veteran uh, on each pair. So you have uh, Christian Cairo with uh, with Derek Pouliot, who, who are you know the presumptive first pair, and then Michael Caro with uh, Artem Grushnikov uh, on the third pair. And, right. and you know, it's, I, I suppose calling Caro a, a grizzled veteran might be a, might be aging him a little too quick, but uh, but you're you're getting uh, the higher higher end prospects there with a little bit of uh, somebody there to hold their hand as they're getting their feet wet. Right. When you've got uh, a player who has, you know, less than 10 professional games uh, paired with you, Michael Caro counts as a grizzled veteran uh, for sure. And for those who don't know, Michael Caro is uh, he's on a two year AHL deal. Uh, So he's, he's here long-term well as long-term as you can count in the AHL. 
two years about the longest deal that you'll sign. Both he and McKenzie are on two-year deals. Um, before we go too much farther, though, we do have to mention Gavin Bayreuther, who was supposed to be part of the plans for the Texas Stars this season. And he had a really good attitude about coming back to Texas. I talked to him before the season started, and he knew that he they're, they're not dumb right? The players can look at cap friendly just like the rest of us. They understand that there were already a lot of bodies in front of them in terms of the depth chart, but they also know that injuries happen and players can play themselves out of the lineup or players can play themselves into the lineup. And so he was okay with being in part of game one with the Dallas Stars or game 80 with the Dallas Stars. That was his quote. And uh, unfortunately, um, he's going to be out for a little while because he had an ankle injury in game one, the third period. And it's Luckily, not a season-ending injury, but he did have surgery the second week of the season and will be out for quite a while. So hoping for, you know, a spring return. Uh, And he's obviously sticking around the team and everything like that. Um, But that was one of your veterans who was supposed to be there, which is why Michael Caro, as you mentioned, Mark, is one of the grizzled veterans because uh, Gavin Bayreuther was supposed to be one of those. Um, And that's always a devastating blow when you have a a player like that who you really hope to to build things around, go out with an injury, and especially one that happens less than 60 minutes into the season. Uh, so that was a that was a really tough one to see. Um, yeah, as far as, he, he was probably okay. the guy who was going gonna end up being paired with Cairo would be my guess because he's more of a he's more of a balanced uh, balanced defender than than Pouliot is. Yeah, I, I I think it creates some interesting pairings. Pouliot and and Cairo, it's yeah, it's not as balanced, right? Kairou known for offense, Pouliot known a little bit more for offense. So there isn't as much of the stay home versus go get it type of type of pairing. But again, trying not to disparage Michael Caro too much. If you want Kairou, you know, do you feel like view him as being one of your top end prospects? You probably want him with Pouliot as opposed to Caro, just because of the NHL track record there from Pouliot and maybe a little bit more of a security blanket, potentially. So tough decisions, obviously forced by injuries, but you know, I, I think it's working out all right to start. I haven't noticed Kairou doing anything necessarily good or bad, to be quite to be quite honest yet. They haven't put him on the power play or anything quite yet. He had that one period, what was it against Chicago where where he just looked like like all of a sudden he was getting it and he was he was making making the moves that you could have seen him make in junior, but it really hasn't lasted. Yeah, and that's again that's the story of of the rookie season. You can yep. you can be real streaky, really really streaky, and and that's it's it's rough because um, you know like I said you you could have a seven zero blowout and then you could have a oh seven blowout the other way back to back games almost texas has been lucky to not have a lot of seasons like that uh the last one really that i remember was uh 2011 12 that's a long long time ago um long long time ago they uh scored the most goals in the in the league that year they also allowed the most goals in the league (laughs) i don't know that we're on track for that type of performance um i think this has a good potential to be a playoff team but at the same time, it's going to be uneven. Um, and I think the defense not being as experienced through and through is going to be part of that. One other thing to mention about the defense, too, is uh, he's technically on the Dallas roster for uh, salary purposes. But Jared Rosberg is also here in Cedar Park, 
hanging around the team, doing some uh, practice. He's in red, no contact jerseys and things like that. And when he is healthy and, and deemed ready to play, he'll be assigned down to Texas and he'll be able to join the lineup and he'll obviously jump in ahead of some of these players here. I don't know if that means somebody will go down to Idaho or what, but um, he'll be in addition to the lineup who's on a Dallas contract. Yeah, and and here you know you 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 brought this up, so I have to. This this is my ideal pairing, and you will understand this. I would love to see Rosberg and Bixel play together. Oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Just just because they will that that that's like sandpaper on sandpaper. Right, exactly, and I, I think <laughs> you know of of all the players like last year that was not a very uh, pugilistic team. Rosberg was probably one of the players most likely to to drop the gloves. Uh, on that team, we have not seen, by the way, Bixel do any any fighting yet. I don't know if that's in his nature, but man, wouldn't that be fun uh, to see? Uh, I think Bixel and Rosberg would be really fun. I don't know if they'd do it. I think they'd probably. Ooh, what would they do? I they 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 may end up with with Rosberg uh, with maybe with Grushnikov or something. Anyway, like that. I I Grushnikov, and we haven't really talked about Grushnikov, and and I I came into the season, I think, down on Grishnikov just from watching the couple AHL games. He, what, he got into one playoff game last year and then also one regular season game Yeah, and, and seemed to have a few issues. Yeah. And um, I, I've been pretty impressed so far this year. He's He hasn't done anything spectacular, but he's been solid on the defensive end and he's not immobile. And that's what you want from a like a third pairing D guy, right? You don't. Yeah. You kind of don't want to notice him. Uh, you know, to say nothing bad about it. it Grushnikov got pressed into service in a pretty bad spot last year. If anybody, you know, I, you know, I would, I would erase your, your memory of, of his, his performance in game five against Milwaukee, just mm-hmm. because again, uh, that was what his second game, second professional game. Uh, Will Butcher had, had gotten injured. Jared Rosberg wasn't ready yet. Um, there were injuries to the lineup and, and they were playing Dawson Bartow and Artem Grushnikov against, uh, against the Milwaukee Admirals in a do or die, go forward or go home type of game. And there were, there was one, one of the goals specifically was, was on Grushnikov blowing coverage, you know, and it, I mean, it was his, his first ever playoff game. Yeah. So it's a rough spot for the, for the kid to be in. And, and he's going to have a full season here of 72 games to go forward and, and hopefully not be in that position uh, when playoff time comes again. Okay, and one one more uh, one more defender that we haven't really talked about, uh, Gavin White. And I, I think last time we spoke, you said the the organization uh, had had some good things to say about him. They did. You know, talking to to Scott White last year for for the prospect piece that I do every year for the Hockey News, he actually moved him up in the lineup in terms of his his position. They they had had a couple other players, you know, above him. Um, and he said, no, Gavin's Gavin's doing a really great job in his season that he's having. He's had trouble cracking the lineup. Um, it's interesting that, you know, they had the option. They have seven players now here uh, with Bixel back in uh, back in after his suspension. And White is the one who came out again. Mark, as you mentioned, if you had given me that list of seven before the season started, I would have put Grishnikov on the outside looking in. And so, you know, White is is needing to to develop his game a little bit more uh, clearly, but it's going to probably be a rotation, right? It, it, you you can't leave a guy like that on the outside looking in for too long, or otherwise they they would send one of them to Idaho just because you want those guys to be playing in games. 
Um, but I, I, I was also sort of not really confused, but just interested in that reversal. Um, cause definitely I thought Grishnikov was, would be the one who'd be seven. Yeah. And here, uh, I, I think Gavin White probably had, you know, he looked very good at, uh, at Traverse city, but he also, he also kind of looked like what he is, which is a guy who can jump up into the play and, and can create a bunch of offense. Uh, has a really good shot, but uh, does have some defensive lapses and, and and was kind of struggling on positioning from what I could tell. Yeah, it was an uneven start, to be sure. <laughs> so I think uneven is the, the watchword of, of the night, to be sure, here on uh, on the recording. But uh, again, it they, he'll, he'll work into the lineup if there is a prospect they believe in. Um, he'll work it into the lineup. There, there may be injuries, there may be call-ups, those sorts of things. He may get an extended trial, but um, you know there are guys in this lineup who are going to be in every night, and I'd say it's those top four, right? It's Pouliot, uh, Kairou, Bixel, Petrovic, and then beyond that, I think it could end up being a rotation between Grishnikov, Caro, and uh, and White, and then we'll see what happens when Rosper comes in. I imagine he joins the list of folks who are who are in all the time which means you probably start to have a conversation about somebody ending up in Idaho to get extended minutes um, or doing some sort of platooning down to Boise. Yeah, and here, it's, a, it's like we're talking about being banished to Boise. I mean, Boise is such a such a great team that uh, I, I kind of like it when guys are, uh, who are borderline getting playing time go down to Idaho because they just drop into such a winning environment. There, there are organizations that are like getting banished in the ECHL, and we don't need to name names, but Idaho is not one of them. Like, they never have trouble recruiting free agents. They never have trouble, you know, winning in that league. Everett Sheen has a really strong connection with the AHL side here in Texas, and you know, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. They had a ton of guys return from their their the, the equivalent to the President's the Cup. Kelly, they won the Kelly President's Cup, Cup. Kelly Cup uh, Finals. Right, but not Kelly Cup winners, and so True. they came back with a lot of unfinished business type of attitude. It, apparently, you know the the player group text was basically like, "Oh, so and so signed, oh, so and so like," and they just sort of all bandwagon to get back. Because um, normally, what happens is in the ECHL, they're all one year contracts by rule, and you know if you blow it up and have a crazy amount of points in the ECHL, you can go take a big fat payday in Germany or Sweden or something like that. Um, and these guys said, no, no, like we want to win a Kelly cup. We, we got robbed, um, at the last minute and we're going to go finish the job. Um, and so that's, that's really good. And I think it's a really good winning environment. I, you know, if Grishnikov or white or, or anybody ends up down there, it, they're going to come back far stronger for the trip. Okay. Let's, let's go to my favorite topic, goaltending. Um, these are, these are the guys who are kind of keeping us in games right now from what I can tell. And just for a, just for a little background, uh, we're talking Remy Poirier, Matt Murray, names you've probably heard before. Uh, I, I think I probably would have had money on having a veteran third goaltender, but we, we've gone with just the two uh, second-year players. So uh, a lot of faith in the organization in these two. I mean, don't count out that that could happen in the future, right? I mean, trades are always... Always possible and always afoot, um, potentially. But yeah, the organization has put a lot of trust in these two. You know, my sort of pet theory and the way that I, I've worked it out is, you know, Remy Poirier is a player who, 
you look at the just the raw numbers. He turned 21 just before the season started, October something or other. Uh, and Matt Murray is is 25. Matt Murray went the college route, right? And he won some championships with with UMass, but he has less time in his development curve, right? And he's the player that he is right now. I think for my money, Raymond Fourier has a higher ceiling than Matt Murray, and I think they're both really good serviceable AHL players right now, but I think in terms of what you're going to get at the next level for Dallas fans, Remy Poirier is the one that I would circle as being Jake Ottinger's backup in uh, in two years uh, and not Matt Murray. And it's just, you know, the fact of time. Uh, he's got four extra years to develop to get to exactly where Matt Murray is now. And if you view them as being roughly equal right now, well, you know, Matt Murray's already four years down that development path and that's a that's a tough spot to be but it's just the fact of the numbers yeah and i think it's i I say a lot of pressure on him this year and i say a lot of pressure primarily because i defense as much as uh, there's some talent there will give up chances and and these guys are gonna go through the ringer and uh and be forced into making uh some very good saves i was talking to um Asher Rome, who's one of the staff writers here at 100 Degree Hockey, and he was telling me about watching one of the away games, and he's like, man, these these guys give up a lot of odd man rushes, a lot of odd man rushes. And I, I asked, you know, Neil, uh, Neil Graham about that in the next the next time I chatted with him on the phone. And I mean, he didn't deny it. It's like, you know, this that's the way it's going to be for a little while, for sure. There's going to be we're going to be asking a lot of the goaltenders with some as as the defensive systems solidify. But, you know, talking to some folks in, in the hockey ops side, basically they feel like if they can make it to Christmas and still be within shouting distance of playoff position or, or you know, be above 500, then they have a lot of strength, a lot of faith in the, the strength of Neil Graham and Travis Warren and Max Fortunis' coaching uh, ability that things will solidify and, and they can really make a good run at it, you know, January, February, March. Yeah, and and I I don't know that you can really emphasize as much uh, as, as you need to the quality development that Texas is doing. Because even if you take a look at last year's team, the the guys who came off of there, Ryan Shea's playing in the you know, is playing in the NHL. Freddie Olfson's playing in the NHL. Riley Tufty's leading Colorado in scoring. Ben Gleason's uh, leading leading Bakersfield in scoring as a D man. There's just a lot of guys who have gone through Texas and are going other places and are succeeding. It's it says a lot and it, it helps, uh, you know, recruit free agents um, and and those sorts of things that, that people are having success here. I I have a firm belief and you know Taylor and I have talked about this and and a lot of folks. It's kind of my soapbox and I feel like I talk about it every time. But you know Neil Graham is the future head coach of the Dallas Stars and. If you don't know the name, then get familiar. Um, he, if the, if he is not the head co- future head coach of the Dallas Stars, then the Dallas Stars have screwed something up royally, um, because he is going to be an NHL head coach somewhere, and I I hope for for all of our sakes that it's in Dallas, because I think he's a really bright hockey mind. He's a young guy, and he's one of those guys who you could you could hit your wagon to, and he's not even forty yet. And and have him be your head coach for a very long time. And he's, you know, he's he's done a really great job bonding with the players. 
I mean, imagine in two, three years, you know, he comes in, he's a head coach, let's say he's going to look at that locker room and he has a personal relationship with more than half of the players because he coached them down here in Cedar Park. I mean, what a what an amazing connection to be able to to make with those players uh, and, and to bring to the hockey team. And I think he'll he'll do some really great things for the team if he has that opportunity. And I'm a firm believer that he should be the next coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. And I, I just love listening to him talk hockey, which, you know, if you watch AHL TV at all, uh, there's usually a segment where you get interviews with with Neil Graham right before the game starts. And he's not a normal hockey interview. No, he speaks English and he makes sense. He, you know, and, and the funny thing is he speaks English, but also he speaks English like he doesn't he doesn't talk down to you or he doesn't he doesn't. Um, uh, you know, come at you with with PR cliches and stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> but at the same time, if you ask him the right question, he will break down a play for you right there in post game. He's like, well, F1 did this and F2 did that. We didn't have somebody who looped back on the wet. Like he'll do it. And, you know, he, he I really appreciate that. You know, he doesn't he doesn't try to sugarcoat it or or like kind of gloss over stuff. You know, I got a chance to, to chat with him a little bit over the summer and, and just get to know him a little bit more casually. And and uh yeah, I think he's I think he's a guy who understands the role of a coach in connecting with all types of people, right? The media, his players, the rest of his staff, uh, and and really, you know, believes that the hockey team is a family and and uh that team last year, I think, you know, we talked about it at the time, had such a deep connection. It was part of why it was so tough for them to not to come up short because they had built such a, a deep connection over the course of the season just off the ice as well. Um, and so I, I feel like, you know, that coaching staff and, and everyone around the team, not just the coaches, but equipment managers and athletic trainers and all the myriad of coaches that they now have in Texas because they've really invested in it from the Dallas organization side with video coaches and strength and conditioning and all those sorts of things, uh, build a family atmosphere um, that creates a, a deep connection and, and makes the guys want to fight a little bit harder for, for the you know guy who's lacing them up next to him in the locker room. Yeah, which I which I think is ultimately you you go back and and look at uh, look at your book with Sean Shapiro. Uh, you know, we win here, and it's it's about setting up uh, an environment where everybody is committed to to actually winning, as opposed to just you know, individuals trying to make the most out of their career. Absolutely, I think that's that's not just a Texas thing. I think that's a a Stars organizational thing. They're, it's. They're, they 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 treat their players pretty fairly. Yeah, I, I think we're we're very lucky when you look across the league of some of the things that you know happen in other NHL cities and organizations that Dallas has done done right by their players more often than not, right? And and we don't hear about you know scandals or whatever of of players not being treated right or you know not being told about things or whatever you might have. I, and I think that starts from the top and, and Jim, no, this is Jim Nill's organization, right? He's been here for over a decade and it's, it's his, it's his, his boat, um, at this point. Um, and he's the captain. So I think that that comes from the top and we know that the Detroit organization had a really strong connection with Grand Rapids, even though Grand Rapids is still not even owned by the Detroit Red Wings. They just, that organization has such a tight connection and he brought that and has, knew exactly what he wanted in the Texas Stars, and it, it took a, a few years to get it all sorted the right way. Um, but 
it's an incredible connection and one that I think Dallas fans should should really appreciate. And and certainly if they haven't had the chance yet, uh, come down, see a game, see some of these kids, Logan Stako and Maverick Bork, Bixel, Remy Poirier, and and see what's coming up next because it's it's a heck of a lot of fun. They do a good job with game presentation for sure. It's a it's a heck of a lot of fun to just come down and watch a game. Yeah. Now we probably aren't going to be able to to talk again till toward the end of the season, so I can't let you completely off the hook here. So where where do you see this team uh, sitting? Oh, come February. Come February, gosh, you know I I really my personal belief is that this is probably a play in playoff team um the ahl if you remember has uh tries to get as many teams playoff experience as possible the central division has seven teams the top three make it automatically and then the fourth team is decided by a play-in between four and five i don't know if i want to make a call on whether texas is four or five but i think they're in playoff position but i think it's probably by at the knife's edge uh at that four or five spot and then you know, it's it's a flip of a coin because it's a three game series to see whether they make it or not. But in February, I think they're I think they're right there in that four or five spot for sure. Okay, and one one final hot take: uh, Maverick Bork or Logan Stankoven, first NHL game. First NHL game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with who, Maverick who Bork, Bork, just based the on the, based on the seasoning. I, okay. I think I think Bork gets it first, and I think he can be plugged into more spots than Stankoven at this particular point. But, you know, I again, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way, but I'm I'm calling the shot on Bork because I think that he's going to get uh, the opportunity. You know, I, I really I was hoping he'd get he'd get a game there at the end of the season last year when they called him up at the very end, because why the heck not with game six against Vegas. But he did get to play and he did he did get to skate and warm up. So that's he's he's come the closest. So I'm going to call Bork. OK, I like it. I'm going to hold you to it. I'll remember it and bring it up uh, next time we talk. All right. I can't um, wait to see that. Yeah, well, why don't, why don't you, uh, Stephen Maserve, 100-degree hockey on the uh, on the internet if you want to read uh, everything that you could ever want to know about the Texas Stars. Uh, where else can people follow you, Stephen? Yeah, so I'm on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, as 100-degree hockey. Of course, 100degreehockey.com. We've got a great story coming out this weekend also on Logan Stankoven on the AHL.com, and I'll be sure to tweet that out uh, from uh, my Twitter account. Um, and then, yeah, as Mark mentioned, uh, Sean Shapiro and I wrote a book about the Texas Stars called We Win Here. You can find it on Amazon or if you just go to wewinhere.com. Uh, it is conveniently $18.23, which is Max Fortunas and Travis Morin's numbers combined. The two players who should have their jerseys retired by the Texas Stars. But of course, you can read more about that and uh, our beliefs on that in the book. Uh, and of course, if you see me at a game or if you'd like to see me at a game, uh, I can autograph that for you. And I always love to meet people. So if you happen to come down to Cedar Park, you know, just shoot me a message, a direct message on, on Twitter or what have you. Uh, I love to meet people and chat during the intermission and, and see if I can you know, give you some scuttlebutt off the record or whatever, whatever's going on. So I love to chat with folks if you happen to be in town. All right. Well, thanks again for being on, Stephen. Uh, look forward to talking to you here in a couple months. Uh, hopefully the team's doing a little better than you think that they will. But that's just me, the fan, talking. So I, I tend to agree with what you're saying there. But yeah. anyway, thank you for listening to Stargazing. Uh, and we'll be back with Wes next time.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.